From KYW News Radio in Philadelphia, this is Scroll Down. I'm Tom Rickert. Today on the podcast. She had a choice. She could walk away from the sport that she's played forever, or she could stay a part of the team, but just wouldn't be able to play. A Rowan University lacrosse player who just flat out refused to quit, even when the ride got scary. What was that like when they tell you that it's cancer? My coach told me, she said, you don't say why me, you say, okay, what's next? That was the mindset that I had. We just went from this. My name is Matt Leon, KYW sports anchor and reporter. Uh, if you want, I'll backtrack a little bit, tell more of the story. So, spending a few minutes now with Rowan women's lacrosse player Aaron Redman here on campus in Glassboro. And uh, Aaron, quite a remarkable story you've lived and, and had here the last few years. Thanks so much for the time. Of course, thank you. You know, every time you pull me over and say you have something that might be good for the podcast, it always ends up being about something amazing and heartbreaking. Surprise, surprise, you got the chance to talk to an athlete over in New Jersey who has lived about 100 years in the past four. Tell me about Erin Redmond. She is a member of the lacrosse team at Division III Rowan University. That's down in Glassboro, New Jersey, in Gloucester County. Played lacrosse freshman year, you know, and then uh, around freshman year started having some, some issues and had kidney stones. So she goes and gets kidney stones taken care of. And while they're doing that, they find a mass on her ovary. It turns out it's stage one ovarian cancer. As you can imagine, that kind of rocks your world to the core. And, you know, this is a 19-year-old girl who doesn't feel sick. All of a sudden has been given this diagnosis. So it uh, it's pretty sobering stuff. Now, you're a senior here, and it has been quite a ride for you during your college career. Uh, you were diagnosed, I think, as a freshman with ovarian cancer. Was this something that you were not feeling right and you went to the doctor, or was this you just went to the doctor for a physical and you get news like that? I was very fortunate. Unfortunate, fortunate. Um, January of my freshman year, I had been taken to the emergency room with kidney stones. I had a CAT scan done. They wanted to see where the stones were and then they had found a mass on my ovary. And the pathologists at the hospital had just thought that it was just a benign mass and that it would go away. So I was told to follow up with my own doctor a few months later and then in April, I had gone back to get another scan and ultrasounds done, and the mass had grown. So she has a couple of surgeries. They scheduled an emergency surgery in April. Two weeks later was when we found out that it was ovarian cancer. A month later, I had a second surgery. Luckily, that was all that I needed. They caught it early enough she didn't need chemo or anything like that but you know she needed to go a couple of surgeries that's how it all happened it's a lot to go through unfortunately ovarian cancer symptoms don't show until it is in very late stages so I was very lucky that it was only stage one and I was able to find it through kidney stones in the emergency room so at 18 or 19 years old what is that like getting diagnosed with ovarian cancer that young something that 
is usually found much later in life. It seemed like, to points, it was almost surreal. Takes a while. I don't know if you ever really do end up processing it fully. Being 18, being in the middle of my very first lacrosse season in college, it was very jarring. Because once again, like she didn't feel sick. She had the issue with the kidney stones, which was painful. But with regards to this... Is that kind of a, a dichotomy of you're dealing with this, but I feel like I did six months ago. Did that make it harder or easier? It, it was harder because I wish I had some sort of idea that this was even happening. So then, you know, like you plan it out better, but no, no idea whatsoever. So I think there is kind of a, a disconnect that you know you're facing this, but you don't feel any different than you did three days earlier when you were just living, living life. It became tangible to her when she learned she couldn't play lacrosse anymore. Okay, so my second surgery, my biggest surgery, was done in June of 2015. I attempted to come back for our fall season in October. It's college sports, you know. like The rigors of being a college athlete, because it's not just the games. It's the practices. It's the workout sessions. It's all that. Your body demands everything, and unfortunately, my body just couldn't get back into the shape that my team needed, my coach needed. It was really hard to deal with. It was such an important part of her, of her life, and actually in talking to her. Being an athlete and quote-unquote retiring early. You know, she got a little emotional when she started talking about not being able to play anymore, not so much with the diagnosis. Obviously, being diagnosed with cancer, anyone is going to react differently and they're going to, like, it's going to be hard. So not being able to train myself back to where that I, sh- I should have been or where I could have been was a lot harder because I wasn't able to participate and do the sport that I love the most. So that was a lot harder, yeah. This is just me speaking. I think losing that chance to play lacrosse was the first thing that really felt tangible that changed in her life as a result of this. It's real now because I can't do the thing I love doing. Mm -hmm. It was better for me to understand that this wasn't what my body was going to allow me to do. So I think her coach just basically said she was deteriorating in front of their eyes. Like she just couldn't maintain it. And, uh, I mean, they wanted her to stay. You know, this was not, but they didn't want to force her and gave her the option. And uh, it was from that moment that her role changed. I would stay with my team and take my talents in a different direction. She said her her coach told her something. When, When stuff like this happens to you. My coach told me, she said, you don't say why me. You say, okay, what's next and what do I do next? So that was the mindset that I had through my coach, through my family and my support system. And it was, we just went from there. That is such a profound statement, especially for someone that young to be able to to internalize. It's also, I think, representative of a support system that she knows how lucky she was to have. You were able to talk to her coach. Can you tell me about her coach and, and about their relationship taking her through this whole process? Yeah, Lindsay Delaney is the head coach uh, at Rowan, and you could tell – you know, basically, I asked her, you know, what's going through your mind as 
before they had the discussion, she's not going to play anymore. The moment earlier when well, I was actually right here in this building, the team house after practice, and I looked at her and I said, "What are you talking about?" Aaron tells her, "I've got stage one ovarian cancer." And she said, "Well, um, my scans came back and there's a tumor." And I'm looking at her like, "Oh heavens!" And you could just see Delaney remembering that moment, and basically, I think she says something to the effect of, "Oh my gosh, you're an eighteen-year-old baby." baby. We need to get you somewhere quiet and alone so you can tell me what's going on. You're just so young and this shouldn't have to deal with this and stuff. But I just said, okay, like, go ahead, go home, deal with it, and we'll we'll take it a step at a time. And that's all you can do. Just take it a step at a time. Let's not get too big. And let's just figure out how to handle this from here. Let's go. Let's make a plan. And, uh, you know, when that moment when uh, it became apparent Aaron wasn't going to be able to play anymore. We always thought fall ball her junior, academic junior year, she would come back out. But we knew it was going to be a little rough. Based on some of the complications she had after surgery and the amount of limitations she had on lifting and running and working out. And our team was just progressively getting a little bit stronger, a little bit faster. Um, So she came out to fall ball and forgot through the first practice. And then it was a Friday practice and we were sprinting. And I'm watching her and I'm watching her kind of deteriorate in front of me. And we need to stop it before it gets to being a point where there's no return. So I pull her out. And I just look at her and I'm like, go get some water, take a deep breath. She was standing with me for a while. And at the end of practice, I just said, you don't need to do this if you don't want to. There's nothing for you to prove. There's nothing for you to have to do. Here is what the options are. You can still be a part of us and be here if this is where you want to be. And we'll make sure of that. But this is not what you have to do. So take the day. She knew, I think, what Aaron brought to the table as a person and desperately wanted that to be still be a part of the program, even if they couldn't have her as a player anymore. My coach came to me and she said, listen, like, we can clearly see it. It's just not going to happen. So you can either walk away or what we would want you to do is stay. And you can have a completely different role on the team. And it'll be up to you. So, of course, like, I took the day. It was completely emotional and the next day she showed up at practice so she didn't really she took a couple hours um, but she didn't take the day next day she was there and um, I decided that where I should be was with the team she was lifting me and I just knew then she wasn't gonna play and we never have to talk about it again this will be your role and you'll be a part of the roster my role changed drastically and I I started to become more of a leader as an underclassman. It was a no-brainer to be a captain. It was just who was going to be captain with her. When you are the kind of person who shows up every day to lifts, to meetings, she sits on the bleachers and watches them lift. I was pulling underclassmen and upperclassmen, helping them with things at practice or motivating people during the game. And She comes to meetings with paper and pen. She's not playing, she's not watching herself in film, but she's there to help and support. So it makes everybody else more accountable for their own actions. My leadership role switched from on the field to off the field, and it almost felt like it was a better fit for me, and it was something that I could really roll with. And my coach had complete confidence in me that I could do that. Inadvertently, she made the team accountable, and then they helped her heal, and she helped them get stronger. So it was a win-win. She was going to become a stronger, more vibrant, more controlled, she wasn't physically stronger, but she was going to be mentally stronger. And then at the same time, she made us, whether she knows it or didn't, didn't know what was happening at the time, more accountable for her own actions on the field and off the field. How proud are you of her? Super. 
Yeah, yeah, I can't stop smiling when people say her name. She brings an energy that I can't get to. Um, so thank God she's there because I'm not a cheery-go-lucky person. But Erin is a good sidekick for that, so it's good. Eventually, she actually gets a little bit of game time. Yeah, it was near the end of this past season. They had a, I think it was friends, like a friends and family night where we have a big barbecue. Everyone's family comes. You know, they really encouraged and and pushed to have friends and family there. My whole family was already there. And a few days prior, yeah, that was a no-brainer. Coach came to me and she said, "So as soon as I knew that we were going to be home, and our family probably would be there, um, I know it's been a long ride for our parents. I could imagine being the parents of an 18-year-old going through that, and um, the changes that and the things that she'll deal with later on in life that she hasn't wrapped her mind around yet. They've been thinking about since that moment. You know, things that she hasn't been able to process." So I wanted them to have something, too. She said, no, you can dress if we get in this situation. Um, I can put you in, like, towards the end of the game. And I was like, all right, sure, like, that's fine. We get into the right situation here. You know, we could try to get you in. Because she's been medically cleared. You know, she's allowed to play. Right. And she is still a member of the team. You still go on the website. She's still on the roster and all that stuff. So they got into a situation where they had a, a comfortable lead. and The end of the game came, and I was able to get in for a few minutes. Michaela Early, we chose her on purpose. We took out McKay for Erin, senior to a senior, because we knew McKay would uh, give her a show as she came off the field, and she sure did. Got the ovation she deserved and you know got to, to get out there one more time. So really— Of course, it's like all my teammates are like, yeah, Erin! I'm like, oh my gosh, no, like, I don't want this, like, attention. I'm like, just stop. But being on the field with them was kind of cool to do it again, even if it was just a few minutes. Like, it was still great to have. A special moment, really cool to for her to be able to get back out there. All my family there, my teammates there. Yeah, it was special. Now that you're here and you're winding down your time with the team, could you imagine, because I'm sure there was an option on the table, you just go be a student and put it in, you know, put it to bed. Could you have imagined that now, like when you look back, oh my goodness, what would I have done if I had done that? Absolutely not. I couldn't imagine. My whole college experience has been shaped by this team and this experience, and I wouldn't have traded it for anything. There's not a whole lot of coverage of Division Three women's lacrosse out there. I think you might actually be one of the only people talking about these kind of sports on a regular basis. But you talk about this stuff all the time, and you get some amazing stories from reporting on these sometimes small local things. What do you think about that in the back of your mind? Do you ever do this knowing that every once in a while you're going to stumble across <laughs> something amazing? Yeah, absolutely, and it's... Honestly, I've been doing this here now for 15 years, and there's a part of me that's just amazed at some of the stories I come across that no one else has touched, and they're just kind of, they're not really that hidden. You just have to ask about them or, or, or take a look at them, and honestly, I'm all for the rest of the media continuing to ignore them. I'll be more than happy to take them all. 
Matt and Leon, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Where can people find what you're doing online? Uh, KYWnewsradio.com or follow me on Twitter at MattLeon1060. Thanks again for coming back, Matt. My pleasure. And that's it for this episode of Scroll Down. Find us on Twitter at ScrollDownPod. I'm on Twitter at T-Rick. Matt's at MattLeon1060. If you like the podcast, tell us about it. Go to iTunes and leave us a review. I'm Tom Rickert. Thank you for listening to Scroll Down. We'll do this again next time.